Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox, and I would like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored by Exiger on From Third-Party Risk Management to Supply Chain Risk Management. Exiger on the evolution of supplier compliance in COVID-19. First, a word about Exiger. Exiger was founded to fight financial crime, fraud, and terrorist financing by introducing technology-enabled solutions to the market's biggest supply chain, risk, investigation, litigation, and compliance challenges. The global authority on risk and compliance, Exeter services on the world's largest banks, Fortune 1000 companies, and government agencies and regulators. Exeter combines frontline expertise of former prosecutors, intel analysts, Department of Defense veterans, and compliance officers leading technologists and forensic accountants with cutting-edge, fit-for-purpose artificial intelligence technology. In recognition of the growing volume and complexity of data and regulations, Exeger is committed to working with clients to create a more sustainable risk management environment through its holistic and innovative approach to problem solving. To find out how Exeger is making the world a safer place and more effective place to do business, visit Exeter.com or reach out to any of the experts featured in this week's podcast series. Over this five-part podcast series, we will put a spotlight on financial institutions with Tara Loftus and Summer Pratt. We will put a spotlight on corporations with Aaron Narva and Ren McKetchern. We will put a spotlight on federal government and supply chains with Kerry Wibben and Vishnu Anatamula. Look at the pillars of good compliance with Brandon Daniels and Carrie Wibben. We will conclude with third-party risk management solutions with Erica Peters and Skylar Chee. In this episode, I'm joined by Rin McKetchern, who focuses on leading anti-bribery investigations and assisting multinational corporations with regulatory risk management, and Aaron Narva, head of corporate markets, who leads the development and delivery of Exeger's purpose-built AI Powered Solutions for Anti-Bribery and Corruption Compliance. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for our second episode. Today, we're going to take a look at corporations with Ren McEachern and Aaron Narva. Gentlemen, first of all, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks, Tom. Good to speak with you again. Ren, one of the things that uh, had been percolating along and has been greatly accelerated, I think, by the coronavirus health crisis has been corporations having to reconsider a risk-based approach to third parties. So I wanted to get from your perspective, what are some of the major impact, impacts to this approach that we have used in the past and may need to change in the future? Yeah, thanks for the question, Tom. And during my time at, at the FBI working with the Department of Justice and SEC, third-party risk was a major problem, well over 80% as a catalyst for getting companies in trouble. And so it's gotten uh, even more challenging under um, the COVID crisis. I actually think there should be almost a new label for third parties during this. It's called COVID third parties. Uh, because of the challenges, uh, understanding, truly understanding third parties and to make sure they fit into that, that risk-based approach, which is so critical for assessing. The challenges really are about the fact that the business is having to move so quickly in, into distribution channels, 
other partnerships and depend on vendors that may not uh, have the time to really do the required diligence uh, under a risk-based program. And they're having to onboard these, these companies uh, quickly um, and, and enter into uh, industries that they may not be that, that familiar with. And so that puts um, the company at a disadvantage, as you can imagine, when they want to say, okay, I really understand who the, who the partner is. I understand who the people are behind the partnership. I understand my third party and their existence in places that may be ge geopolitically uh, hot right now, as we all know, um, with everything going around the globe as a result of COVID. Um, there's lots of um, other tangents that can affect third parties when it comes to things like trade discussions. All of this is to say that whenever you're onboarding a third party during these really challenging times, number one, um, are you able to apply the normal risk assessments that would be required? Um, and are they labeled differently? Do you keep them in uh, a, a separate bucket so that when we get back to whatever our new normal looks like, that they're being reassessed a little bit differently than the normal third parties you would have maybe brought on before that. Lastly, I would say um, most importantly is, is about being proactive. Um, this is a critical element with third parties now more than ever. Data is always increasing around third parties. It's increasing within the business. Be able to monitor data points uh, associated with third parties will give you a big advantage. And it's also a sign of, of a mature program, one that monitors. So thanks for that question, Tom. Aaron, you've, I've heard you use the phrase risks at the margin, and I wanted to focus on that for a minute to ask you, why are risks at the margin so much more challenging, yet can lead to, in many ways, a more overall effective risk management program? Right. Thanks, Tom. Um, I think it's uh, important for us to, to find margins a little bit here. Um, with the increased scrutiny with which corporations are managing risks, Right, specifically in the areas of third-party risk, uh, conflict of interest, and supply chain, right? The expectation is that you have a reasonable pool of data in which you're able um, to look for and identify risk for these people and companies. Um, I think when we talk about margins, identifying crucial risk information, uh, whether it's allegations of corruption or human trafficking uh, in a foreign language or even an obscure a regulatory release from a low-profile regulator. Um, these things have historically been very difficult to find at scale because of cost limitations um, and a need to focus dollars only at the highest risk. Previously, at what we would call the margins of what was possible to discover is now the expectation. Uh, and the outcome of these expectations is that more risk is being eliminated from third-party populations and supply chain, a more effective program. Um, the really challenging part historically has been how do you do this? Um, five years ago, I think it would have been impossible, uh, but the tools are available to do this now. Um, tools that can identify risk at scale and then carry out risk mitigation so that business can proceed as usual. So, Ren, we have had over the last two months, literally, starting on June 1 and then almost 30 days later on July 2nd, two very uh, significant releases of information from the Department of Justice and SEC. On June 1, we had the 2020 update to the evaluation of corporate compliance program. And then on July 2nd, a massive release, the FCPA resource guide, a second edition. And I was wondering from your perspective, what do you believe these new uh, updates and then particularly the resource guys, guide mean for operationalizing compliance in the corporate setting? 
Yeah, it's really quite incredible. But um, uh, the, the Department of Justice and the SEC have, um, have once again really provided more guidance, more clarity as it relates to a couple key areas that are really important, I think, for, for the compliance world. Number one, um, resources and people matter in an organization when it comes to, s to supporting an, uh, a robust compliance program. These are easily um, uh, you know, examined by investigations from the regulatory uh, bodies around the globe. And so we can figure out um, you know, what, where are they spending money? Are they bringing the right people on? Are they the right uh, resource folks? Um, is there budget um, to take on important new programs around um, the compliance program? So at, at a minimum, uh, those things have to be lined up in, in a way that would make sense and are appropriate and measured uh, for the business. Number two, um, there's a lot more discussion about investigations. And now I'm not suggesting that every matter needs to be escalated to an investigation, but certainly when and how you do that is gonna be examined a little closer. And I also put in there, of course, root cause analysis. We're looking at a breakdown of the compliance program. Where did it happen? What happened? Um, and how do we evaluate that? It's not just about uh, the investigation and what the results are of that investigation. Really, what they focus on in the new guidance for 2020 is about, okay, great, you've conducted an investigation. What are you doing to improve your compliance program after you've conducted this uh, examination? And how is that um, going to um, you know, help the company look at risk differently? How are you going to mitigate risk differently? Um, those key investigations can be very helpful for for how you really function as, as a compliance program, and also can show to the regulatory bodies that, um, hey, look, we had a problem, we investigated, we escalated correctly, we learned from those lessons, we made our program stronger. That is a key, that is a key uh, distinction, <clears throat> excuse me, in the, in the guidance, and is really a, a smart way to think about taking an investigation and, and making something better out of it. Aaron, if I could uh, perhaps change the focus just a little bit to ask you, how or even why do you see chief compliance officers and indeed the entire corporate compliance function as setting ethical business standards for corporation? Yeah, I, I think it goes without saying. Uh, you know, we're in a really interesting time in in many ways for for our clients and the people we talk to uh, day in and day out. Um, these are people who generally. Uh, like to wear the white hat, trying to make sure that the way in which their company comports itself uh, in the world is consistent with the ethical standards of its leadership. Regulatory requirements, uh, which are always sort of uh, more defined than those other pieces, uh, have always been. But public pressure and regulatory pressure are forcing the integration of ethics and compliance officers into the day-to-day -day operations of businesses um, more than they have before. Uh, Harvard Business Review recently said that perceptions of the company's products are harmed by bad news about the supply chain as much as bad news about the company itself. Um, even when the quality of the product is not affected, who else but the chief ethics and compliance officers would be responsible for this? Um, the great thing is that they now have a set of tools and technologies that can eliminate the cliche of compliance uh, as a roadblock or um, as an impediment to business, right? This is now accelerate and further inform uh, in a deeper way the business that can both protect the company, um, help it operate in a much more ethical fashion. 
Jenlyn, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on the topics that uh, you have raised in this podcast, where could they go? Um, yeah, so, so we uh, contribute to the FPPA blog. Oh, sorry, Ren, go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. No, go ahead. Uh, we regularly contribute to the FPPA blog uh, about white papers uh, and hold roundtables for our clients and others who are interested in these topics. Um, the best place to get information uh, is by either visiting your expert website or any of our uh, any of our employees and colleagues on LinkedIn. Um, we really appreciate the time, Tom. Thank you so much, Tom. Really appreciate it, and, and good luck to all the uh, men and women who are so dedicated to the importance of compliance. It's really a, a critical need. Thank you. I hope our listeners will join us for our episode three, where we take a look at these issues in federal government and supply chain risk management. Gents, thanks again. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed this special podcast episode sponsored by Exeger, where we're taking a look at third-party risk management and supply chain risk management. Check out Exeger on their website, www.exeger.com. It lists uh, a lot of resources in the show notes from these two speakers, so check those out if you want any more information. I hope you'll join us again for our next episode in this special five-part podcast series from third-party risk management to supply chain risk management. Exeter on the evolution in supply chain compliance during COVID-19. This has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network.